First Peter. We're in the book of First Peter. Who wrote the book of First Peter? Peter. Peter wrote the, he was one of the twelve disciples, not a doctor. Who did he write to? Believers or non-believers? Believers who are what? Scattered. That means that they weren't in their homeland. They were dispersed away from their homeland. They were scattered. Were they in a place where they were being blessed all the time or did they suffer a lot? Suffered a lot. So he's he's writing to them in their suffering. Um, have you ever been with a group of friends before? And if you're you're younger, you may not relate to this, but you might with your mom and dad. Uh, if if you're with your friends though, and you you're it's after church, and you got you can drive now because you're 16 or or 17, and parents are are going to actually trust you with that sweet minivan. And so so you're, you're 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 you get to go out to eat and so your friends are all together and you're like, all right, yeah, we can go out to eat. And they're like, yeah, yeah, where where do you want to go? And everybody's like, uh, I don't know. No, what's funny is our staff does this like forty times a week as we're going, hey yeah, yeah, let's go out to eat. Where do you want to go? I don't know. We act like there's no, no places to go around here. And we're like, I don't know where yeah. And so finally someone goes uh, how about this place, this place, or this place? And then one person will go, oh, I don't like that place. That gives me gas. And, and that's usually Nick that says that. But I'm sorry, Nick. And, and, so, and so, but, so we, we work it out. And we, what would occur if no one decided where we were going to eat? We would never eat. We would never eat. Would we be good for anything at that point? Now, would it be a sad day if we couldn't go get lunch? That would be a very sad day. That's not any part of my notes here. Um, <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to look at a, a text where, where Peter writes, and, and part of the gist is, is you've got to choose your side. You've got to choose your side. You can, you, you can uh, stay going this way. You can choose to, to walk away from that and start going this way, but some of you are just like, I'm just going to waffle right here in the middle. And if you just do that and you never choose which way you're going to go, it's going to be a waste of time. Your life is going to be a waste of time. So we're going to be in First Peter chapter 4 in just verses 1 through 6 tonight. We were going to do more than this, and as I worked through the text, it took me forever just for slow-minded Dan just to work through this text because there's just some things there. I was like, I just don't know what that means, and I really had to, to, to chew on it and study it, but I think I, I got the gist of it. So we're going to stand together just as we read God's Word in honor of God's Word. We, we stand, stand together. First Peter 4, verses 1 through 6, this is what it says. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry idolatry. With respect to this, they were surprised when you do not join them in the flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that, that though judged in the flesh the way pe- people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Let's pray one more time. Dear God, we thank you for your word. God, I need you. We need you to move in this place tonight. God, we are lost without you. So Lord, just um, 
enlighten us, just reveal what your word says. Speak, speak to us right now, and God, may we respond to you. May we truly respond to you and follow wherever you say go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Everybody have a seat. All right, we're going to jump through some of this real quick. It says in verse 1, the start of it, it says this, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. So, since Jesus suffered in the flesh, we need to, to have our mindset in that same way. How can we suffer? How do we suffer in the flesh like Jesus? I'm so glad you asked the question. Here is the answer. This is the, the answer. We would, we would have time to talk about it for a bit, but there's a lot more text to hit. This is how we suffer. This is how he suffered in the flesh. This is how we suffer in the flesh. We are to be willing to, to suffer because we have chosen to live righteous lives. How do we suffer in the flesh? How do we? Because we choose to live righteous lives. And when you choose to live a righteous life, a, a life that's going to choose right the world is not going to like it, and you are going to suffer in different ways. Two, we, are, we, we willingly endure mocking and scorn for our faith. Speak up about your faith enough, and so, somebody will say, you believe in that? Ser- seriously? Man, you must, you must hate, hate, hate me. You must hate And they will mock you, and they will scorn you. When you speak up, does that mean you don't speak up? No, that's what it causes when you suffer in the flesh. That's what you are, you are, are going to. Three is we take up our cross and follow Jesus wherever he calls us. When he says in that verse, take up your cross and follow me, that doesn't mean you get a real cross you get to walk around with at school. You know, it means that you take up whatever way of living in to, to uh, Honor him. He has called you to do. And you wear that wherever you go. And the world is going to see it. And they will not like you. And you will, you will suffer. This is, a, this is a great. we got a great big group here. And I'm telling you, you're going to suffer if you follow Christ. Amen. This is good, right? No, it's true though. You are going to suffer. And struggle. Yes. Did you suffer noticeably? Uh, probably not enough. <laughs> That's a great question to ask. There's times... What what's that? Did you suffer any because of that that you noticed? I I have I have been mocked and 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 made fun of uh and and what's funny is is interesting when I've talked to some 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 folks when we hit an impasse where they can't get get you know I say something they can't refute it they just start to they've started to mock the way I talk. Which I know I've hit a big nerve there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know I've sort of, I'm sort of one. I don't like to say it like that though. But you know, so, but yes, I think we do. Great question. Um, I almost lost my, my train of thought. It says here, arm yourself in this way of thinking. Okay? It's like a soldier going to, to battle. Are you going to go to battle without any gear on at all? Hel- 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 helmet, gun, Ammo? No, right? What if you do without your gear? What are you you going to do? You're going to die, right? You, you got to. It says so. Arm yourself. It means prepare like someone prepares for battle. That is what you do. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, but some of you went to camp this year, and and you saw God in a new way, or God taught you something, or there's a sin in your life you had to lay down, or you put your faith in Him for the first time. 
and you've come back home, and the first weeks were cool, and all of a sudden now you feel like you're getting rocked, and you don't know how to keep standing for your faith. How do you, you arm yourself with this way of thinking? Which way? Honor Christ, whatever it takes. Philippians 2.5 says this, Have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Attitude. That is the attitude we're supposed to take on. Then the next part of verse 1 says this, For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. If If you suffer in the flesh, it says that you cease from sin. So does that mean if you are a believer living for Jesus, then you can be someone who never ceases again? Because it's a confusing question because it looks like it says that, right? But the answer is, is no. Paul, Paul writes in Romans 7, 21 and through 23, says this. So I find this, and Paul is a great man of God who was seeking after God, who was living for God in mighty ways, says this. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Paul, great man of God, struggling with sin. Did I think Paul had this mind that was to suffer in the flesh like Christ? I think he did. Did Paul still struggle with sin? Yes, he did. So what does that mean there? It means habitual sin. Practice, pra, 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 practice Practicing sin. It's sin that is just a part of your life and you don't even fight against it because it's just what you're going to do. I'm never going to fight against it. And 1 John 3, 9 says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. It's that habitual, that sin that is just a part of your life and I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm just going to live my own way. Not God's way. There's a problem. But when we are willing to suffer for Christ and speak up in his name and we will suffer for it. Do you know what's going to occur? Those sins are going to fall away because we're fighting, fighting to live for Christ. And we're paying a price to live for Christ. And those sins that we would think about, we're not going to think about at all. Why? Because we're, we're fighting to live for Christ. Does that make sense? So point one is this. Righteous suffering brings righteous living. Righteous suffering brings righteous living. Now, let me ask the question, go, go back to where I was before. Did anyone here have a good experience at youth camp th- this year? Okay, hands down. Um, maybe for some of you, you placed your faith in, G- in Jesus for the very first time. Admitting you were a sinner separated from God and receiving forgiveness and being made right with God through the sac- sac- sacrifice of Je- Je- Jesus Christ. For some more of you, you may have placed your faith in Christ years ago, but your faith grew this year. Uh, Sins and struggles that you had were brought into the light that have been hidden all year. And you talked and you confessed and you, you prayed and you shared. Maybe you realized, man, God is much bigger than I ever gave him credit for than I ever imagined that he was. And it amazes me that he would even care for little old me. God, as big and great as he is, still pursues me, still cares about me. But when, So when you came home from, from camp, who here was like prime? And you are ready to face the world. 
right? I'm, I'm going I'm to fight, fight, fight for, for God with everything that I have. And that was like five weeks ago. And I, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would guess, I, I hope not, but I would guess for some of you, you're going, man, I just don't feel as strong as I did back five weeks ago. And I've fallen in some ways and I'm embarrassed about it. And when I've fallen, uh, I feel like Satan is just throwing it all in my face. And I don't even want to, God doesn't want anything to do with me at this point. For what he, my life was at camp and to where it is now, I mean, I can't even lift my face up to God right now. What's, what's changed? You know, the world, the world's mean. And Peter, right here in this text we're about to hit, addresses this. So loud and so clear. And it's not an alarm. I've got an app on my phone called the Sleep app. So like I, you know, I've turned on. And what I love about it is, you know, it, it tracks all these things. That's great. But what I love about it is when the, it's got like a 15-minute, uh, it's going to wake me up in this 15-minute span on when's the best time to wake, when I'm most likely to be awake, like I'm waking up. It'll like, and the alarm is, it's like a harp and a unicorn singing together. And it's just like, you know, it's like, it's just beautiful. Uh, and, um, and it just slow, slowly builds and I wake up and I'm like on a cloud float. You know, it's just, uh, uh, and Paul right here is, there's an alarm that he is doing, but it's not a beautiful harp unicorn alarm. It's a blaring, ah, 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 loud alarm. And it's, if, if Christ has done Anything in your life, if you have given, put your faith and trust in him, it's for you. So look here in verse, I don't even, I don't even, I've like left my notes so long ago, I don't even know where I'm at. It's going to be in verse 2. And I can't find it. I'm going to turn, turn here in my Bible. Turn to verse 2, 14, 4, sorry, First uh, Peter 4. And this is what it says. So, to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Quit living for human passions, but live for the will of God. Verse 3, for the time that is past suffices. So, so where you were in the past, what you did in the past was enough for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idol- idolatry. Hey, what you did in the past, don't go back there. Walk away. Point two, walk away f- from the world. Righteous suffering leads to righteous living. Point two, walk away from the world. You've tasted enough. It's like a dog going back and eating its vomit. Have you ever seen a dog eat its vomit? Is that that's what we is that, is that what we do when we we we're, we're just it's just, it, do you ever feel like that? Why in the world have I gone back to this? And he's saying, walk away, get away from this. Um, have you ever had something in your life that you just stopped? You just sort of just cut off completely, and you didn't look back. I haven't had a whole lot of things within my my life, but. Um, I had one, and, and so this is a prescription for you to do as I did. Uh, I didn't become a believer in Christ till I was almost 17 years old. At the age of 15 and 16, I began to drink a lot with my friends, uh, and I couldn't taste the 
stand the taste of, of beer, but uh, I did it just, just to fit in, and it was just sort of what everybody did. And uh, a few months, about, uh, it was actually June 10th, 1988. Don't ask me why I know the date, but I know it. I remember I was just going around that day, and some friends goes, hey, we're going to go meet at County Dock Road. You, you want to go up there and have, have a, a, a few beers? I'm, I'm 16. And uh, I'm like, at that moment, I, I don't know why, but by the grace of God, I began to think. You see, my dad's dad uh, was an alcoholic. My dad's dad was the town drunk. When my dad was 12, they would get calls at their house. Hey, you need to come pick up your dad. He's drunk at the bar again. Uh, and so my dad, at the age of 12, would get in a car drive to downtown Jacksonville, go pick up his dad and drive back, drive his dad home. His dad wasn't a mean drunk. He was more of a sad, sad, pitiful drunk. Um, And I don't know why, but at 16, that story just sort of came to mind. Now, my dad drank up until I was about two or three. And then one day he he just, mom said he just stopped. He lost a, a lot of friends, a lot of folks. He just said, I don't want my life to be part of this and he just cold stopped on his own and lost a lot of friends because of it because they didn't think he was the same guy the cool guy that he was before whatever and at 16 i went you know what i think i'm playing with fire uh and i don't want to play with fire and so june 10 1988 i decided i'm never going to have a drink again 31 years i've never had a drink stop 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 you don't have to clap yeah go pastor dan but it's, you know, I didn't want to risk it. Uh, what was cool about that story, I wasn't a church kid at the time. On August 13, 1988, two months and two days or three days after I stopped, I went to a church camp, and that's when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The gospel changed my life, and the trajectory of my life was changed forever. And I'm so glad I wasn't stuck in, in that old life, even that part of it. And so my, part of my point is, some of you go, man, I don't know if it can be stopped or not. It can be stopped. You tell enough folks about it. You get enough help around you. It can be stopped. You, you start su- suffering for right, righteousness sake, working on that, and you're going to care a lot less about this. Does that make sense? Yes? So walk away from the world. Um. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, says this. Uh, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, or glorify God in your body. And memorize that. If you are serious about your faith and commitments that you've made, memorize this scripture. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. A great price. It wasn't a cheap price. It was the greatest price there was. God's son. You were bought with a great price. So honor God with your body. The choices that we make daily honor or dishonor God's. And so, so many in the world that we live in, even the church world that we live in, have live with a counterfeit faith. 
I mean, they're, they're, they're looking good Sunday morning. They're looking good Wednesday night. Ooh, man, we're here at the edge. Look at us. Look at me. I'm so good. And every place else, we are not living. We're not thinking about God. We're just thinking about ourselves. And then we come back to church and we think we're good. And you're not. It's a blaring alarm. He says, walk away from the world. It's calling you all the time. Righteousness, arm yourself. Be prepared. Fight against it. And then it says in that that next verse, uh, in verse uh, 5, or verse 4, with respect to this, it's talking about the Gentiles here. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery or sin, and they malign you. You know what it means? They malign you, they they, they slander, they rip on your name. They, they call you things you didn't earn. You don't deserve, but they, but they will. So just know this. When you live for Christ, when you walk away from the world, two things are going to occur. The lost will notice and they will attack. They're not going to like it. What happened to old you? Man, you were so much more fun before. Just come on, just do it. Quit being such a, you know, a dork. Or They're going to use a lot more names than that, I know. Then it goes here in 1 Peter 4, 5, and 6. But they, these that malign, these that notice, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Who are the living and the dead in this passage right here? Hmm. Don't answer. Let me tell you. I'm glad you asked again. I think the living and dead, there's going to be a time that the living and the dead, they, they rise up and everybody is going to be judged, the whole world. I think that, that is a, a true interpretation of what's going on. But also there's a spir- spiritual um, teaching here. That the living are those that are alive in Christ. And the dead are those that are, that are, that are lost. And everybody in this room, at one point in your life, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead not alive. But God, God, spoke and reached out and pursued. And you heard. He touched you. You heard. And you responded. This is the gospel. This is putting your faith in Christ. And it says, this is what it says. For this is, but they will give an account of those who are ready to judge the living dead. For this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead. The gospel is preached to the dead. That's who we preach the gospel to. That's who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Righteous suffering leads to righteous living. We need to walk away from the world. And point three, never give up sharing the gospel. Never write somebody off as there's no hope for them. Paul would have been that guy that would have been written off first. And God used him. You're going to want to. There's going to be times that you're going to have to dust your hands off and move someplace else. But don't give up praying for them. When opportunities come, don't give up reaching out. Even the meanest, especially the meanest, the ones that attack you. Man, they're just dead in their trespasses and sins. Just like we were. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says this. But God. 
being rich in mercy because of the great love with, with, with which he, he, he loved us. Even when we, we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's the gospel. That is the good news. Never give up. Never give up sharing the, God, the gospel. That's the beauty of it all. While we were dead, while you were dead, while I was dead. In our rebellion that we chose, in our sins that we chose, God, who is rich in mercy and overflowing with love, reaches out to lost to make them alive in Christ. Are you living in Christ tonight? Did you go to camp? And man, God really did change you. But man, you don't know what's going on because you're like, man, I just can't keep my head above water. But I'm trying. Can I tell, tell you this? Keep trying. One, don't stop trying. Two, talk to someone about it. Get accountability. If there's an, a sin, there's an issue in life that's hold, holding you down, talk to someone about it. Don't just keep living in it. Man, we all fight through things. We all struggle. We get embarrassed about it. You're not alone. Guys, you are not alone. Righteous uh, suffering brings righteous living, right? Walk away from the world. Gosh, can I please beg you? you scream, this is probably the biggest group we've ever had in the edge before. Biggest ever in the edge tonight. How many people are in here? 154. Did you count? I did. <laughs> I did. Now listen, shh, come, come back to me here. There's a lot of peop- uh, people in this room tonight. And, and, and that's, that's great. Because this is what I want. I want you to hear the gospel. I want you to hear the truth about, about Jesus. God's love for you. And my prayer is that you don't hear me speaking. But God is moving in this place. And, and, and you're going, okay. I've never believed that God's real. But I think, I think there's something real to this. That God's speaking to you going, I mean, I need, to conf- I need, I need help. I can't get here on my own. That is my hope. But this is what I will say. And I've said this before. And with this big group, if we are 154 and we don't love Jesus and live for Jesus, there's no point to be here. No point to be here. We would be much better a group of 12 who love Jesus and live for Jesus. Much better. So man, can we fight together for this? That alarm that we hear, can we respond to it and go, okay, all right, I hear you. Can we, as at camp, then you went back and talked to some adults or some college for prayer. I dare you to, to talk to adults even when we dismiss from this time right now. And go, hey man, can you pray for me? You know that sin that we talked about? I just need to fight through it and I need your help to get through it. Man, that's what I want our group to be about. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you so much for every student an adult that's in this room. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. God, I thank you for alarms that you give us in, in Scripture. God, that you pursue us. That while we are in many ways fighting against you, you are fighting for us. God, for students in this room that don't know if you love them or not, Lord, reveal your love to them in some way, whether... God, I don't know how in your own way, Lord. I want every student in this room, every adult in this room to know that you love them and to know how big you are in the plan that you have for their life. 
God, if someone in this room hasn't placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but they know they need to, God, give courage to speak to someone right now or even to speak to you going, God, I can, I'm sorry for my sins and I cannot get to you by myself. And I accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and I place my faith in him and the sacrifice that he made on the cross, the perfect gift that he made. That's what he did. God, give courage in this place. Move in this place. Thank you uh, for your love. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.